greetings of love in the Master's name. It is a privilege always when we gather together and we find others of like faith and we join together and it's been that way again this day as we have been here, my wife and I, and we have joined with you in your Sunday morning worship time. This is not the only time that we worship, but it is a time when as a congregation you have chosen to meet and we do the same thing where we live. So these are treasured moments. My understanding is that you had a guest speaker last Sunday. I think you're having one next Sunday. I'm not sure that I should even be speaking today. But be that as it may. There are three words that came from the reading of Hebrews 12. In fact, it's the same word that occurred three times. And that struck me, and it seemed that that's what I should bring our focus to, at least at this moment, for just a short moment. And the word is lest. And it says then, looking diligently lest. You know, that would be an awful thing if there would be somebody who would miss the grace of God, lest any man misses the grace of God. The second lest would be, lest there would be a fornicator like Esau. No, the second lest was, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. So a person can be missing the grace of God. They're having a troubled life, and it should not be a troubled life. God made provisions that our life is not troubled, but it could be that way. And then the third lest is, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who sells his birthright for something to eat. With the Lord's help, and it is only with the Lord's help that there can be any benefiting of today's sharing. I'm not able to do that. The Lord must do it for us. But as the Lord does it, and we receive the message of the word today, I think you will find a connection between the opening meditation that our brother shared before Sunday school. I think you will find that there is a linking that goes with that and then the words that came from Hebrews chapter 12 and it amazes amazes me how sometimes this is how things are that here I am, how many hundred miles away and I'm thinking about this moment I'm trying to be open to where in the scriptures should I go. The summary of today's message, first of all, is a look at a specific period of history when God declares that this is his threshing and the corn of his floor. And God does declare that. It's a passage that gives us insight into God's ways among the nations. And maybe you've had thoughts more recently about God's ways among the nations. This passage gives us a little bit of an insight into that But it's also a passage that speaks on a personal level as to about our own threshing and the corn of our floor. So that is a biblical expression. You find it in the Bible. And so we're going to use it and use it in the way and 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 hopefully you can understand what is being presented here. 
Today's outline, as it is presented to us, it speaks about a burden. There is a burden that is brought to us. It's a grievous vision. It speaks about a night of pleasure that turned into a fear of night. It talks about going and setting a watchman. It talks about a watchtower declaration. And it talks about of our own threshing and our own corn. And that's where we would end today. As we then would think about, this is what we have threshed out. This is the threshing of our, this is our own corn that we have threshed out. Let us now read the scripture from Isaiah chapter 21. Isaiah 21, the first 10 verses. Isaiah the prophet was presenting different burdens that were given to him of the Lord concerning different nations, different situations, and this is but one of them. The burden of the desert of the sea as whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert from a terrible land. A grievous vision is declared unto me, the treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O Media, all the sighing thereof have I made decease. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me as the pangs of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure hath he turned into fear unto me. Prepare the table. Watch in the watchtower. Eat, drink, arise, ye princes, and anoint the shield. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go, set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And he saw a chariot with his couple of horses, horsemen, a chariot of asses, and a chariot of camels, and he hearkened diligently with much heed. And he cried, A lion, my Lord, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men, with a couple of horsemen, and he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken into the ground. O my threshing, and the corn of my floor, that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. Among all the nations of time, and probably even for future time, if there be how much time there is left. But among all the nations of all time, there seems to have been no empire greater than the entire of the empire of Babylon. Babylon grew to be a splendor, a splendor among all nations. It became a world empire. The prophecy that I read for you here, this is a burden entitled The Burden of the Desert of the Sea. This is a prophecy that is predicting the fall of Babylon. And God says that this is my threshing and this is the corn of my floor. The time came when that great Babylon empire fell and it was God's doing. He brought it about this morning in our Sunday School devotional, 
We heard about a group of people that were disobedient in their hearts. They were unwilling to listen. And God says, if you are not willing to listen, then you will go into captivity. The place where they were taken, many of them came to Babylon. The Bible says to those people, you can then read in Jeremiah 29, where God told those people that are going into captivity, when you go to that city of Babylon, you give your sons in marriage to your daughters. You give your daughters in marriage to your sons. You go and you build houses. You plant vineyards. You seek the peace of the land. And you be a people that does not be diminished, but you are a people that is going to grow and to prosper. And then God says, I know the thoughts I have for you. They are thoughts of peace and prosperity. My thoughts for you are I'm going to give you an expected end. And then after 70 years, that's exactly what happened. There were the Medes who came against this great empire of Babylon. It's an amazing story. It's a story that is worth knowing. How is it possible that this great empire of Babylon, this fortress that seemed to be impregnable, there is possibly no way that you could overtake this country. And yet they did. And when it's all said and done, God says, this is my threshing and the corn of my floor. The time came when The Medes and the Persians, they came and they overthrew that country of Babylon, that great empire. Now, in your Bible, does your Bible have a date by the chapter? My Bible has 1714 B.C., 714 years before Christ is the prophecy given. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 29, when you find those words, for I know the thoughts I have for you, and all of that, no, excuse me. Uh, I don't want to go there. I want to go to Daniel chapter 5. If you turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 5. In Daniel chapter 5, at your Bible there, it begins with Belshazzar the king. He made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Does your Bible have a date at beginning of that chapter? My Bible has 534 B.C. Can you make that connection? So in Isaiah 21 you have 714 B.C. When this is actually happening, the event that we read about in Isaiah is then 518 B.C. or a difference of 176 years. In the short time that is given for this part of our service, and it is a short time, even if it would be 
an hour, it would be short. But in this short period of time, God has a message that is for us. God says, this is my threshing and the corn of my floor. What is he saying? He is saying, this is my doing and this is my corn. And I think he's referring to the children of Israel. This is my corn. I own this floor. This is my corn. And this is what I'm doing. And the time came when they could then return back to their homeland. If you take that same thought, what is God doing today? Is God actively doing anything? There are many, many things that can be part of this message today. When I think about how God can take a king's heart, which is like water, and he can turn a king's heart whichever way he wants to turn it. So when the Medes and the Persians came and they overthrew Babylon, the overthrower became the... uh, How do I have that written here? The overthrower became the releaser for the Jews. Now let us think just for a bit about what you find in Romans chapter 8. As you take this same thought of this is my threshing, this is the corn of my floor, this is what God says I am doing. When you go to Romans chapter 8, And verse 28 and following, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I think the same truth can be applied to this passage. When you read Romans chapter 8, it is God saying, This is my threshing, and this is what I am doing. And when he's talking about, and we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Somehow, God is able to take all things that happen. He does not put his blessing on them. He does not put his blessing on murder. He does not bless broken marriages. He does not bless evil. But he can take whatever happens, and he can make good out of it. He can somehow cause us to become a better person spiritually. Do you agree with that? Can he do that? He does. Because it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
for whom he did foreknow. Which means he knew us before we were. He knew us before we knew ourselves. And he has this goal picked out for us. This goal that speaks of, I know my thoughts which I think for you. I know these thoughts. I am wanting to give you an expected end. You know, the Bible says that this is a burden. It's a weighty message. And it is a weighty message, but it's also a good message. It's not a negative message. It's a weighty message. It's a, it says it's a grievous vision. You know what Bel Belshazzar should have been doing? Now, I trust that you all know enough about the Belshazzar story that you know that you know at least some about it. But what should Belshazzar have been doing? You know, he should have been threshing to learn to know God. You know what it says in Daniel? It says in Daniel, when the writing came on the wall, and Daniel came in to speak to him, Daniel addresses him, and he says, Belshazzar, and he talks about Nebuchadnezzar, and what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? And he says to him, Belshazzar, you knew these things, but you did not do them. Belshazzar should have been threshing to know God. He should have been threshing to know what God desires. He should have been threshing to know the law of harvest. He should have been threshing. What about life and living should be emphasized? But Belshazzar became oblivious to a very to a critical developing situation. And since he did not observe these things, he did not give heed to those things that he knew. He knew them. He did nothing about them. He becomes oblivious to what's happening. He did some other things. He did not revere sacred things. And he says, you get those gold and silver vessels and we're going to drink wine out of them. And he's just making a mockery. He did not revere sacred things and his decisions became warped. Let me read you about the city of Babylon. This city was 14 square miles. That's a big city. 14 square miles. There are two sets of walls. There's an inner and an outer wall. They're 350 feet high. They are 87 feet thick. There's the Euphrates River that is bisecting the river north and south. And since it's that way, there are also walls on the riverside. So this city is walled all about with these great high walls. There are 150 gates of brass. And there are 250 watchtowers on the gates. And those towers are 100 feet higher than the wall itself. And the outside... And the, the outside wall had a moat that is very of deep water, and that moat was 30 feet wide. This city had provisions. In good years, it had provisions for, for 30 years of siege. Can you imagine that? For 30 years, we've got enough food in these 14 square miles to make it through. 
The city had great parks and gardens. It had beautiful houses anywhere from three to four stories high. It had a great bridge spanning the Euphrates that is bisecting the river. This bridge is 660 feet long and 30 feet wide. The Medes came and they set siege to that city. They dug a canal. Are you listening? They dug a canal diverting the water that ran underneath the city wall. And then there was this great feast that Belshazzar had, and many people were invited. It was during the time of that feast. The normal watch that night was not observed. The watch towers were empty. And so the Medes had but a simple matter to do. They had diverted the wall, the water that's going under the wall. Now they had a dry channel to walk right on into the city. And because the watch was not there, who knew? They're coming. And they could take this city before. They could move in with such a great number of uh, soldiers. And they took the city. And that night, Belshazzar was slain. There were in that city, not all people were drunken. In that city of great population, and in spite of that corruption that is in the city, there were people of purpose. Daniel was in that city. Maybe Daniel's three friends were still living. I don't know. But there were people of purpose that were in that city. They had not yet. They had not given themselves over to this Babylonish culture. And there were the Jewish people that somehow they maintained. What did they maintain? Somehow they maintained. And I wonder, did they know of the prophecy of Isaiah 21 or Jeremiah 29? And they were counting the years. 65, 66, 67, 68, 69. Oh, next year, next year we will be set free. Were they counting? The Bible doesn't say, but when that 70th year came, they were. The conqueror became their liberator. That's the word, the liberator. He set them free to go back home. You take today's message now. In these remaining moments. And put it in today's context. And it becomes a very sobering message. Go set a watchman in the watchtower, and you let him declare what he seeth. The declaration from the watchtower is this. I see a chariot of horsemen. I see a chariot of asses, a chariot of camels, and I see a chariot Horsemen that are coming, and they're saying, the city is fallen. There is also a 
spiritual Babylon. Probably everybody is aware of that. You know you have much Bible knowledge. You understand that there's a spiritual Babylon. And one day spiritual Babylon will be brought down, will fall. All corrupt religions, they flow from this spiritual Babylon. And even as national Babylon fell, one day spiritual Babylon and it's prophesied, will also fall. This is my threshing and the corn of my floor. The greater impact of today's message is now on a personal level. When you think about your own threshing and your own personal pile of corn. Before I talk just about a couple things, if we could have access to a future frame of our life, if we could possibly access a future frame of our life, and we had the opportunity to approve or disapprove of what we see, and we could actually make change, would we do it? When I was growing up at home, I was threshing. I never thought about threshing this way. But I, I, I just would like to cite you a couple of examples of how I was threshing. When I, as I am at home, and I see the trucks, the pickup trucks that my dad buys, I am threshing which truck is the best truck to own. And if you did not own the same brand of truck that my dad did, it wasn't quite as good. And one of the trucks that we would never want to be known owning was a Ford. Because a Ford is absolutely the worst truck you could buy. My dad did not knowingly thresh that to me. I was threshing it. Somehow I gathered that. And when I watched my dad play softball, there was no other dad that was quite as good as he was. And I threshed that out. And I was the corn of my floor. The message today has these two things. There is something that God is doing. The moments are too fleeting to develop Romans chapter 8. With all things that have ha are happening, God is taking them. And he's doing a wonderful work with those things. But he does not. But he also gives us the opportunity to thresh corn, to thresh, and we develop a pot of corn. Did you realize, parents, that uh, children learn at birth what their parents are? You realize that they thresh that. That becomes a pile of their corn. I mean, you can talk to a Baptist, you can talk to a Methodist, you can talk to whoever's of a different denomination. And when they are born and their parents are that, that is what they learn. They learn Christianity. They are threshing that. I did. Did you? And you call that. I simply call that learning is a circumstantial learning. You learn things because of the circumstance. You don't know anything. It's just where you are. 
Those who grow up in a Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal home or whatever, they learn Christianity by the same way that we learn Christianity who are brought up in an Anabaptist home. Right? There is a threshing that's going on. And as I think about Belshazzar, Belshazzar, you had the great opportunity. Look at the things that happened in your nation. Belshazzar, think about Daniel and his three friends. But he wouldn't. He would not hear. We also learn things by convenience. And I hope there's not one person here today that you are where you are because it's convenient to be there and you'd rather be somewhere else. But that's how we live. I mean, that's how some people live their Christianity. Their Christianity is a Christianity by convenience. We learn at birth our circumstance. Then for some, you know, it's just more convenient to just do like I'm doing. Because if I would do something different, you know, it's... Now, it's just more convenient to do this. I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to be, you know, but it's just convenient. Don't be that kind of person. Be a person of conviction. And that means that you thresh out a pile of corn and you make these verses, these scriptures become your corn. And this is, I live by conviction. We are threshing today to learn to know our vocation, men. We've done that. We've threshed to know our vocation. We have threshed to know. I guess everybody knows what threshing is. In a farming community, you know what threshing is. You know, I was watching this cotton field. You guys don't have cotton fields here, but we have them down south. I was watching this cotton field. It's a nice, nice big, I'm not sure how many acres are in this cotton field. But I drive past there many, many, many times through the summer, I mean, through, through the year. And watching this cotton field, you know, the plants are coming up little by little, little by little. And have you ever watched a cotton field? As it grows, it matures, then all at once, you begin to see just a little bit of white appear. The cotton ball. Just a little bit. And you wonder, what kind of a yield is there going to be? And I watched this one field particularly, and as it was coming to fruition, and it was coming more and more, that whole field, it just becomes like white with cotton balls. And then, eventually the harvesting came, and he come in with his big harvester, and they go through the field, and you've got these gigantic mounds of cotton that you have threshed off. You know, we thresh. What do we thresh? We ought to be threshing how to use our money. We ought to be threshing what to do with our time. We ought to be threshing how to use our resources. You know what the most important thing is for us to be threshing? Probably the most important thing for us to thresh is what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you be a living sacrifice. I beseech you therefore. Do you know what 
The verses is before 12. 12 one. I know it because I'm kind of preaching from Romans, that part of Romans at home. So it's fresh in my mind. The verses before Romans 12.1 says, the one verse says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. I beseech you therefore. It's upon that basis that we then Live, we operate as a living sacrifice. Now, what do you what often gets in our way of growing spiritually and being where we should? What often gets in our way? Well, the thing that gets in our way is the competitive distractions of our age. The competitive distractions of our age. Go set a watchman, and you let him declare what he seeth. Have you come to this same realization that there are way too many people nowadays driving with their headlights on bright high beam as they face, face oncoming traffic. You notice that? I've been watching that. I see it more and more. People with lights on high beam, they are approaching traffic. And I conclude they are distracted drivers. I don't know for sure if it's that way or not, but I think so. Why are they distracted? Why are so many drivers distracted today? Well, you know what I'm going to say. But I, I'll say it anyhow. It's because of the thing that's in their hand or on the dash or something that has got them occupied and they're distracted. Now, the Bible says you go and you set a watchman and you let him declare what he sees. We know what God is doing. At least we have an understanding what God is doing. God says, this is my threshing. And this is the corn of my floor. And then you go to Romans 8. and said, this is my corn. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing with you. We have a great need in our world today. As we deal with our competitive distractions. And I know whereof I speak. It just is that way. Go set a watchman and let him declare what he seeth. Well, some people want to have Calvary Messenger as your watchman. Or you want to have the sword and trumpet as your watchman. It doesn't do a lot of good if we don't read it. But it says, go set a watchman. And it is a good thing for me to think about this thing. And when it comes to the electronics and those things of our day, I do not yet know how it's going to end. I don't know how it's going to be. But it would be true, go set a watchman and let him say what he sees. Would we allow someone else to evaluate our life 
and look at the way we're living and declare what, what he sees. Well, we don't do that. But we ought to think about it. We ought to think seriously when it says, go set a watchman and declare what he sees. We are threshing today. We have a pile of corn, and that pile of corn represents how we think, how we live. It represents how we do. This is how... Do you ever live other than the way you think? Our thinking is tied to how, what we do. So, go set a watchman. The threshing that happens, and now I speak to you as parents, and, or to us as parents, and I'm a grandparent, but we thresh an awful lot when it comes to generational decisions, things that we do. We make a decision and affects many, many generations. It can. And so it's very important of how we thresh, or what we thresh out, the way we're going to live, and what we're going to do. The Lord bless you as you have heard today's message. The message speaks about the country of Babylon and that great country, 14 square miles. How could you possibly bring it down? Just divert the water and make a channel that's dry and go under the city wall and go in. How will you bring down today's church member? How can you do that? There are these competing distractions that we deal with time after time. It's getting in the way. So we need to think about this. The positive thing is, there was a lady. She had $30,000. And she wanted to buy a vehicle. She wanted to buy a car, $30,000. This is a number of years ago. 30000 would have brought, bought her a very, very nice vehicle. So she was thinking, and maybe she's shopping, where am I going to invest this money? The thought came to her, rather than in sinking it into an automobile, how about buying a place of housing? For 30000 Which is what she did. And she bought this place of housing. And this place of housing has given her such a great dividend. Way over and above that $30,000 vehicle would have done. That is just an example of thinking and choosing the right path. If you're able to, let us kneel down. We'll pray.